You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today, I want to try to pick up where I definitely uh, left off yesterday, which was I didn't get very far. And there's just, there's no real honest way for me to keep up with all this as far as just listing everything that's happened. So we're going to run through as much as I possibly can get through. There have been quite a few questions and, and things, especially, you know, are you sure about the guys and all that. I'll try to address more specific things later, but again, I just want to try to get caught up. Also, I'm kind of getting worn down with the whole, you know... When I say I'm a fanalist, the fan part of me gets mad at the analyst part of me that keeps saying so-and-so isn't super good. I don't like saying that. This is a brand new member of the Green Bay Packers family, and stop making me say that. If you guys wouldn't get so hyped up about people and overly excited, I wouldn't have to do this. So this is your fault. I blame you. Anyways, that's what the plan is for today. There wasn't very much Packers news, or really that much NFC North news, at least compared to uh, Monday. So we'll kind of just do a once-through. Again, I, you never know how these things are going to go. If I go off on a tangent, we get through two teams, so we'll see. Consult the title to uh, get an idea of how this is going to go. Anyways, make sure you are in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. If you'd like to help out, spread the word. Five-star review, whether that be iTunes, Stitcher, Podchaser, wherever you can find it. Otherwise, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can join in for as little as a buck a month. We do giveaways every single month. This month we are doing, if we get to 125 donors, we're doing a PFF giveaway. I don't think we're going to, which means the giveaway will be um, a draft guide to be determined. And um, based on how little time we have, let's just say it's going to be a one breaker. We'll take our one break. We'll come back and we'll rip through this bad boy. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. 
Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So just a quick recap of free agency through the NFC North. The Chicago Bears thus far have lost Nick Kwiatkowski at inside linebacker. They lost their best quarterback in Chase Daniel, and they lost defensive tackle Nick Williams. Chase Daniel and Nick Williams went to Detroit. Uh, Kwiatkowski went to the Las Vegas Raiders. They also lost uh, linebacker Kevin Pierre-Lewis, outside linebacker Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who went to the Washington Redskins. Additions, however, uh, they added... Several tight ends, none of them any good. They added Demetrius Harris from Cleveland, 29 years old, gave him uh, one year, $1.6 million, and then obviously Jimmy Graham, two years, $16 million. They're trying, they're kind of like the Packers where they keep trying at tight end. They've actually had some good additions at tight end over the years, but it just doesn't pan out, usually because of injury. And apparently they've given up on whoever they have left on their roster um, because of the, again, Jimmy Graham, Demetrius Harris situation. They also added, this was one of the big news items from yesterday, Robert Quinn. I do want to take a little bit of time talking about Robert Quinn. It's also worth noting they released um, Leonard Floyd, who is their old outside linebacker, their old pass rusher, first-round draft pick. This was obviously very beneficial for the Bears, because as I mentioned yesterday, the Vikings, Bears, and Packers, unless they did something, were pretty much done picking up players. So I, I was waiting for the... Oh, how do they get Robert Quinn if they have no more money? Because they released Leonard Floyd, which freed up freed freed up thirteen point two million dollars in cap space. Now the question is, how scared should we be of the Bears now? That maybe isn't the exact phrasing of the question, but I feel like being a little silly with it, uh, just in case any Bears fans listening are kind of puffing out their chest about this. You're still the Bears, so relax. First of all, Leonard Floyd. Uh, <sighs> I shouldn't say a lot of Bears fans. I, I have heard optimism from Bears fans about Leonard Floyd, quote-unquote, getting better, possibly getting better, whatever. Leonard Floyd was not good. He was a draft bust. Now, he was decent enough as far as a run defender, but in terms of becoming a solid pass rusher, he just never quite got there. The other real benefit here is, as as we've been saying, healthy is when you draft players and then your young players replace your old players. When you cut young players and replace them with more expensive older players, you're going in the wrong direction. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be worse this year, but the overall health and longevity of your team has been damaged by you doing that, and that's what the Bears did, and especially considering the Bears have continually and continually and continually tried to build through free agency. They have lost their ability to draft because they trade away their draft picks. And so they're not being replaced by younger people. And, can, and and as you look at their team, it's it's guys like Khalil Mack, HaHa Clinton Dix. You look at all their wide receivers are all free agents. Now they're getting rid of a first-round draft pick and replacing him with, again, a 30-year-old pass rusher. And they signed him to a five-year, $70 million contract, which is insane to me. Now, I, I'm guessing he's not going to be there five years, but how do you give a 30-year-old man 
a five-year con. I mean, is he a kicker or a punter? How? What? How? Who? Why? He's thirty. You sign him until he's thirty-five. I don't know what the details of the contract are. Again, I'm I'm assuming he's not going to be there for five years. But with thirty million dollars in guarantees, that I'm he's got to be there. What three years? And so Robert Quinn is one of those guys. I I remember. When Robert Quinn, I think it was like 2013, he was the best pass rusher in all of football. So ba- basically, 2011, 2012, he's not that good. This is a first-round pick, by the way, back in uh, 2011. He was a first-round pick by the L.A. Rams. 2011, 2012, basically a bust. 2013, massive breakout year. 91 total pressures on 515 pass rush attempts which is 17.7% pass rush rate, which is ridiculously high. Again, that's sort of like what Zadarius had, which is incredibly rare. According to PFF, he had 19 sacks. It was just a disgustingly good year. Um, The next year, he regressed a little bit, but was still very, very dominant. Over 10%, over 10 sacks. He had 11 sacks. Um, And then 2015, he was, I, I believe, injured. Only played 337 snap. Same in 2016, didn't play very much. 2017, he's up to about 700 snaps again, but he's just not quite the same guy. And actually, you know what I think it was? I think they switched to a from a 3-4 to a 4-3 or something to that effect. Because when he moved to Miami, I think it was from a 4-3 to a 3-4. Because when he went to Miami, he was going to be a defensive end again. And I thought, oh man, here they go. He's about to go off. And if you look at the PFF grades... Essentially, he was below average 2011-2012. In his breakout years, he was a 93-73-84, so he was really good. Then 2016-2017, he went back to what he was in his first two years. He was below average. In in both of those years, he was actually under 10% as a pressure rate, which is ridiculously low, especially for a guy that was at 17% at one point. So the fluctuations with him are ridiculous. And then you get 2018, he goes to Miami. 39 pressures out of 367 pass rush attempts, which is roughly 10, 11-ish percent. So, you know, okay, whatever. Seven sacks, decent. Then he goes to Dallas. 57 pressures on 404 pass rush attempts, which is great. But the biggest issue is is with, with Miami and Dallas, if you look at his grades, he's, he's a decent enough pass rusher, but his tackling grades in 2018 and 2019 were 29 and 36, which is just horrible. His run defense grades were 56 and 53. He's never been any good against the run. So Leonard Floyd was a decent player against the run. Robert Quinn is is terrible. So essentially, they went out and got a better pass rusher, but is older, is a lot more expensive, and is useless against the run. So they're kind of just pushing their chips in on being able to generate pressure, which I'm sure is going to help to some extent, but again... Long-term team building, this is just not a good thing. So I don't want to run my mouth too much because there's almost no chance Robert Quinn isn't putting Aaron Rodgers in the dirt a couple times over the however many years he's going to be in the league with the Bears. But this this is just not a good situation. Again, you're giving up a first-round draft pick and paying somebody else's 2011 first-round draft pick. It's just, this is a net negative. And, and his, he's going downward. He hasn't had a grade in the 70s, which is 70 is when you become good via PFF grade, since 2015. He hasn't had a 70-plus uh, season with starter-level snaps since 2014. Because, again, remember, he was injured 2015-2016. 
And in 2014, it was just 73 was his grade. So really, the only year in which he was really impressive and played an entire season was 2013, which is a wild anomaly. Something else, again, to consider is that Robert Quinn, I believe, is just a down defensive end. So they're going to bring him in and put him back at outside linebacker? Because remember, let's follow this out. L.A., he was a defensive end, and he broke out. L.A. switched to a 3-4, and he completely fell off. Miami went out and got him because they're a 4-3 team. He did a little bit better. Dallas got him. They're a 4-3 team. He did quite a bit better, especially as a pass rusher. The Chicago Bears are picking him up, and they're trying to make him an outside linebacker again. He's a terrible outside linebacker. The last time he played outside linebacker was 2017 with the L.A. Rams. He did technically have 10 sacks, but that was a, a... an anomaly of a number. He only had 40 total pressures. Having 25% of your pressures be sacks is ridiculously high. And he had 40 total pressures out of 400, or yeah, 40 pressures out of 430 pass rush snaps. That's only 9.3%. That's really low. Anything under 10 is not good. So I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand what they're doing. I don't think this is going to work out very well. Again, he's a pass rusher. He'll get to the quarterback on occasion. I just think this is all around really dumb. He's too old, he's too expensive, and he doesn't play outside linebacker. We've we've run this experiment. Anyways, I don't want to get too caught up on one thing again. But there you go, the Bears went out and made a big old move. Yay! Uh, the Detroit Lions, they have lost, as I mentioned, uh, Graham Glasgow to the Denver Broncos. Uh, only 28 years old, so still relatively young and talented. That's one of those guys you just don't really want to lose. I understand you don't want to pay him. But I just, I don't, I don't see that as reasonable. They lost Rick Wagner to the Green Bay Packers. And they also lost Jeff Driscoll, backup quarterback, also to the Denver Broncos. That's kind of who cares. Additions made thus far. They added Nick Williams, defensive tackle from the Chicago Bears, and Chase Daniel from the Chicago Bears. Neither of those two things are anything really to worry about. I would say of the two, the, the best pickup is going to be Chase Daniel, who's as far as backups go, the guy's solid. I mean, if you lose your quarterback like they did last year, which is probably their biggest concern, again, they've got a head coach and GM who are on the hot seat and about to get fired. So they're trying to cover all the angles of how do we win the most games possible? And if we lose a quarterback again, how do we try to sustain wins? And I think Chase Daniels is a pretty solid pickup there. Nick Williams pretty much a non-factor. And again, they picked up Jamie Collins. I talked about him yesterday in Halapalivatai. I nailed it yesterday. I'm not, Who cares? They got Vitae uh, to play right tackle again. He's not really much of an upgrade, but he's younger and cheaper, so you kind of understand it, I guess. Actually, I don't. he's not cheaper. What am I talking about? He's, he's a younger version, so I guess it's kind of like building for the future. But it's also kind of high risk because I don't know if he's going to be able to maintain that level of play. But whatever, they're, they're taking a shot. The Lions also signed a uh, long snapper and lost Devin Kennard, linebacker, which was kind of a, a big deal. Not that he's a super great player, he's okay, but more about the fact that, first of all, they they really struggle at linebacker. I know they just picked one up, but he's kind of, eh, also. But he's kind of a leader for that team, so that was kind of a surprising uh, move. They saved a little over $5 million with that. They released their backup, Kyle Slaughter, which makes sense because they got Chase Daniel now, and Slaughter didn't do him any favors. They also waived A.J. Howard safety, um, which, you know, is he a great player? No, but that is depth. Uh, looking at the Minnesota Vikings, because of their cap situation, they have added nobody. 
However, in free agency, they did lose uh, Stephen Weatherly. Stephen Weatherly, whatever. Um, doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And granted, he's not that good of a player. But again, this is a situation. In the, I mean, you know, maybe I'm splitting hairs here because he's a seventh-round pick. But this is a 25-year-old pass rusher that they lost. And again, the question is, who's going to replace these guys? I mean, Daniil Hunter's young. He's he's young, and he needs to be there for a long time, and he will be there for a long time. He's a core piece for that team. Great pickup by the Vikings. Got it. The question is, who's going to replace Everson Griffin? Because I don't believe they picked him back up. I know um, Google you know, is saying that he's a Minnesota Viking, but as far as I can tell, that they did they resign him? Because Spotrack and Over the Cap don't have any any record of a new contract. I'm looking at the transactions for the Minnesota Vikings. I see that they um, declined a three-year option with Everson Griffin, which cleared $13 million in cap space. I don't see Everson Griffin's name pop back up saying they re-signed him. So you don't have Everson Griffin. You don't have this young fella. As best as I can tell, this is via our lads. You have Daniil Hunter. You have... Efedi Odenigbo, and you have Eddie Yarborough. That's literally all you have off the edge. And according to Over the Cap, the Vikings have $11.5 million in space left. Now, they can still do stuff, but how much more do you want to gut your team so that you have enough money to re-sign a pass rusher? I mean, it, it, it's crazy because you look at it, and, and, and my first thought with the Vikings when they traded away Stephon Diggs is, shoot now they have two first round picks they're probably going to draft a wide receiver and he's going to be okay but i mean how dire of a need is edge rusher for them right now i mean listen this is a team that had a dominant defensive front right everson griffin daniel hunter and linval joseph dominant everson griffin is gone linval joseph is gone they just have daniel hunter they need a defensive tackle pretty bad they need an edge rusher pretty bad they need corners pretty bad. They need a wide receiver, pretty bad. They still need offensive line help. So I'm feeling less bad about them having two first round pick. And I'm, you know, especially now that I'm looking at it saying, I, you know, I mean, if you want to get a first round wide receiver, that's fine with me now. I kind of don't care because, okay, you replaced Stefan Diggs, but what are you going to do about your defensive line? So anyways, again, the, the, the Vikings are kind of doing what a lot of the teams are doing and just trying not to go backwards. The NFC North is not really making a whole bunch of splash signings right now. I mean, the, the Bears did. But again, I, I don't know that they're... That's, I, I don't know. I, I'm done trying to figure out what the Bears think they're doing. But otherwise, the Vikings signed a lot of their own guys. Uh, C.J. Ham, Kirk Cousins, Eric Wilson, Britton Colquitt. Uh, they franchised Anthony Harris, as I mentioned. Otherwise, they lost, as I said, Everson Griffin. They lost Linval Joseph, who was released. They released Xavier Rhodes. Xavier Rhodes, by the way, got a massive payday by, I think, the Cincinnati Bengals, which is just hilarious. Who in their right mind is paying Xavier Rhodes that much money? It just blows me away. It's, it's almost like the Bengals' leadership doesn't really watch football or have a pro personnel staff, which I'm not even kidding, is not that much of a stretch to think that that's a, a reality. Some of these teams are so ridiculously poor. I've talked about it a little bit in the past. It's literally just guys with a good amount of money who maybe in the past, daddy was pretty good with football, but then he passed it on to his kid. And now he's just going around spending a bunch of that money. He hires his kids to take over jobs, and they're just kind of flying around spending a bunch of this football money. 
and they don't actually care. And so they're poking around, and they find out, hey, Xavier Rhodes was actually in the Pro Bowl, and he's available. We should lock this dude up. It sounds dumb to think that anybody could be that dumb. But I don't know, I don't know how else Xavier Rhodes get this, gets this much money. Other than people just don't know what they're doing or what they're talking about. They don't actually watch football. It's just like, dude, Xavier... Yeah, man. It's like, it's like the first year I did fantasy football. I wasn't that big into the NFL. I was a Packer fan. I watched Packer games. Otherwise, you know, I knew some names, but I didn't watch other stuff. I didn't really pay super close attention. So it was like Ocho Cinco and somebody else. I don't remember who. Like at the tail end of their careers when they were already garbage. It was like in the eighth round of fantasy. And I, I see that, you know, Chad Johnson's available. I'm like, dude, Chad jo- What? Picked him up. That's how I found out he was no longer good. I didn't even know. I feel like that's what teams like the Bengals are, and they're not the only ones being ridiculously dumb. But anyways, yeah, so the the Vikings are going backwards and trying not to go backwards as much as possible. They also released tight end David Morgan. Not that they super need him. They've already got guys. They drafted a tight end, etc., etc. So there you go. Finally, from the NFC North, the Packers lost Kyler Fackrell, Jimmy Graham, Brian Balaga, and Blake Martinez. Kyler went to the Giants, Jimmy to, or so let's do it this way. Kyler went to the Giants on a one-year $4.6 million deal. Jimmy Graham went to Chicago, two-year $16 million. Brian Balaga went on a three-year $30 million deal. And Blake Martinez was a three-year $30.75 million deal. One of the benefits of this is that, and this is a factor in terms of what you do with these players, so we, we don't have Brian Balaga, but we also get to save that $10 million per year. But also, the compensatory formula is in in effect. As of right now, and we'll see where it ends up, the Packers are set to receive a 4th, 5th, and 6th round pick from Blake Martinez, Brian Balaga, and Kyler Fackrell. That's not bad. Now, as you know, I don't care about 6th and 7th round picks, but 4th round picks can be pretty solid, and 5th, you know, who knows? Plus, these are a little bit of, of trade capital. So, you know... Similar to what Brian Gutekunst said about how we've got other things at our disposal, the strategy has changed a little bit. Typically, compensatory picks are not the greatest thing ever, but when you're a little strapped for cash, it's something that you can utilize to your your um, your benefit. And additions, obviously, Rick Wagner, Christian Kirksey. Um, looking at some of the crazier stuff, let's just look at the NFL trades that have taken place so far. So let's just say so far in March. Uh, early in March, we had A.J. Boye went from the Jacksonville Jaguars to the Denver Broncos. Denver is giving A.J. Boye an $11.4 million contract. At least that's what they're paying him. Jacksonville Jaguars got a fourth-round pick out of that. March 4th, the very next day, the Carol- uh, Carolina Panthers and the Los Angeles Chargers traded players Russell Okung for Trey Turner. March 15th, this is when obviously things started getting whatever, um, Jacksonville also trades away Calais Campbell, gave them to the Baltimore Ravens for a fifth-round pick. I know a lot of people are freaked out about that, but again, the fact that he's $15 million, the question is how much over that $15 million am I willing to pay for 31-year-old, however old he is, Calais Campbell? The answer is fifth-round pick. March 16th, things get beyond ridiculous when the Houston Texans trade away DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson, a second round and a fourth round. They also gave back a fourth round pick. Look, I, just in general, and this this is sort of a... a I've, I've said in the past, I'm somewhat of a Ted Thompsonite, right? My understanding of how you build a team, it's sort of general football knowledge, but it's also built on, you know, being through the Ted Thompson years. 
You don't trade away players like DeAndre Hopkins. You just don't. You don't do that. Now, you might release guys like um, Jordy Nelson, who had been core pieces at one point or another and are now getting to a point where they're getting older and offering you a contract would mean paying you for the past and then continuing to pay you for what you're not anymore as you continue to decline. It just doesn't make any sense. It's not a prudent move. DeAndre Hopkins is currently the best wide receiver in all of football, is arguably the best player on your entire team, is the cornerstone of your team, is the only reason, which is an overstatement, but let me put it this way, you're not going to the playoffs without without DeAndre Hopkins. This is not even a tear down and rebuild situation. If you tear down and rebuild, you rebuild with DeAndre Hopkins. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. This, 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 I, I had said before the dumbest thing ever was when the Miami Dolphins signed Indomitian Sue for $20 million a year. This is worse. Why? It's not even about value. If you want to argue the, the value is fine, okay, I, I, you can't, but whatever. It, it's not about value. You don't do that. DeAndre Hopkins is 27 years old. He's in the prime of his career, and he's the best wide receiver in the entire league. If you want to debate me on that, I don't care. He's arguably the top wide receiver in the league. It doesn't even matter. It's not even worth putting that little caveat in there. Why did you do that? This is a no-brainer. Well, we couldn't afford to pay him. Yes, you can. Yes, you can afford to pay him a new contract. Apparently, there was a falling out with Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins. I'm sure that had something to do with it. I mean, this is this is similar to Chip Kelly coming in and doing some crazy stuff. It's somewhat similar to trading away Khalil Mack, and I, I, you know, you could say that that's kind of on the same thing. You don't give away guys like Khalil Mack. Maybe I, I could kind of understand, especially considering the compensation was so massive. If you want to come in and build a team in your image, you could at least make a case for that. The best way to do that, you you move on from guys like Khalil. You build up a massive amount of first-round draft picks, so you get to build the team that you want to build. It's still probably not the right thing to do. Again, you just don't do things like that. But this doesn't even make sense. 27 years old, best wide receiver in all of football. He's a cornerstone piece of your team. He's the only reason your offense even moves. Your offensive line is, is garbage. And you traded for a running back that was good once, and he has been terrible ever since. And you're putting him behind maybe the worst offensive line in all of football. He's not going to be able to go anywhere. Your quarterback has nobody to throw to. This is the dumbest thing ever. I saw um, on Twitter yesterday, Brett Coleman apparently got a text from a personnel person saying something to the effect of, because there's another trade that they made that was not quite as dumb, but very dumb. The text that Brett Coleman got from this person is, it's a good thing for the rest of the league that Bill O'Brien is a GM. Why the owner of that team let Bill O'Brien be the GM of his own team, I don't know, because he's a dummy. Maybe he's a great coach. I don't know. That that remains to be seen. It's hard to say. But as far as building a team, he can't do it. You're not even getting adequate compensation back to be able to build. you got a second-round pick. Incredible. Uh, another move that made me upset, the Indianapolis Colts acquired DeForest Buckner and gave the 49ers their number 13 overall pick. That made me so angry. The 49ers are a very good team, but they didn't have any draft picks. Yay, ha-ha, you can't build, you're going to regress, blah, 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 blah. They got a number 13 overall pick, so that doesn't make me super happy. Now, granted, they don't have DeForest Buckner, and they're not going to get a player probably as good as DeForest Buckner, so that's good. 
but they feel comfortable enough with their defensive front that they just don't care, apparently. So, I mean, the the, the team is less good, and, you know, who are they going to get at 13? It's probably a net positive, but it still makes me upset because I, I was happy about the fact that they didn't have any first-round picks. I'm sorry, they did have a first-round pick at pick 31. The issue was they had one first-round pick, and then they didn't pick again until the fifth round. So if they had pick 31, they didn't have a second, they didn't have a third, they didn't have a fourth. Now they got two firsts, so that stinks. But whatever. Again, they probably won't be able to adequately replace him. Still annoyed me. Anyways, then the Atlanta Falcons get my tight end, Hayden Hurst. They got Hayden Hurst and a fourth-round pick by giving up a second and a fifth. So, you know, I I didn't want to give up a second. I wouldn't want to give up a second-round pick. You know, getting back a fourth doesn't do much, especially when you give up a fifth. So you're pretty much still giving up a second-round pick. That's probably a little too rich for what I was wanting to give up anyways, but I did like Hayden Hurst quite a bit. And um, the idea that they, you know, Atlanta's in a lot of trouble, but I think this was a possibly a step forward. I don't know that Hayden Hurst isn't better than Austin Hooper. Nobody wants to say that or believe that or admit that because everybody thinks Austin Hooper is an elite tight end, which he's not, and everybody thinks Austin Hooper or Hayden Hurst is kind of a nobody. Fact of the matter is, at least via PFF, they were right next to each other. I think they were like seven and eight. So Atlanta is getting rid of Austin Hooper, replacing him with a guy that's probably as good, definitely has a higher ceiling, and is on this rookie contract for uh, a second round pick. Then you got the Minnesota Vikings again, traded away Stephon Diggs. I think they got way too much in compensation. Buffalo was way too aggressive. One of the benefits I think Minnesota had going for them. It seems this way anyways. It, it doesn't make sense that it would go this way, but it seems as though if teams know you're trying to get rid of somebody, they're not going to offer you very much, and you don't get very much. The Vikings legitimately did not want to get rid of Stephon Diggs. So the way I see this, Stephon Diggs is trying to get out. The Vikings are saying you're not going anywhere, and teams are calling like crazy. Come on, what's it going to take? What's it? Gonna, you know, he doesn't want to be there. Get, get, just give me a number. Give me a number. And so the Vikings are giving out ridiculous numbers, like I want a first, I want a fifth, sixth, and a 2021 fourth. You know, something roughly like that. And obviously teams are like, that's ridiculous. We're not giving you that. That's way too much. And finally, they got a team that's like, all right, we'll do it. And I think that's dumb. I don't think Stephon Diggs is worth all that, especially in a year in which, you know, they could have gotten a Stephon Diggs for a first-round pick and not had to pay Stephon Diggs beyond the fact that he's not, you know, great for your locker room. He's a crybaby. And if you thought he was bad with Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins was one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL last year. I know I'm not supposed to say that as a Packers fan, and everyone's laughing that they resigned him. Ha, 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 you're stuck with Cousins, who was like a top-five quarterback last year. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, whatever. Bottom line is he's going to Josh Allen. That dude is not going to be happy with Josh Allen. He is going to be miserable with Josh Allen because Josh Allen is not a good quarterback. Somebody put up on Twitter yesterday something to the effect that he is one of the worst deep ball throwers in all of football. He's got a rocket for an arm. That doesn't mean he can throw accurately. And so trying to connect with him deep when he's wide open and he gets overthrown, he, you know, that couple of times it happened with Kirk Cousins is going to be nothing compared to Josh Allen. That's a, It's dumb. That was really, really dumb. They should not have done that. They shouldn't have even considered it. And, and to be honest, their wide receiver group isn't that bad. They don't have a true elite number one guy, but they've got a bunch of solid like twos and threes. If you draft somebody in the first or second round that's, that's at least even decent, it's just it's so dumb. Why do they do that? I mean, I'm glad Diggs is gone, and he's still a massive cap hit for the Vikings, so that, that does hurt the team. So I guess I'm fine with it, but I just wish they didn't get such a massive haul. But they wouldn't have let him go for anything less. I think that's sort of the bottom line. Because they were serious, and I think teams knew they were serious, that the Vikings don't want to give him up. 
Uh, finally, the uh, Cleveland Browns got fullback Andy Janovich for a seventh. And then as far as big money contracts and movement around the NFL, obviously the quarterbacks are the biggest thing. Some big news yesterday, Teddy Bridgewater and Phillip Rivers officially have new homes. Phillip Rivers uh, is going to be with Indianapolis. It was only a one-year contract, which is a little bit surprising, but it's a one-year deal for $25 bucks, which also isn't very much money. It makes me wonder if there wasn't that much interest in him because that's a garbage contract. For, for a guy like Phillip Rivers... Granted, maybe he's not what he was. He's still a good quarterback, even if it's only a year. Maybe he only wants a year because he wants to retire. I don't know. I don't. I don't really understand that. But one-year deal with Indy for twenty-five million. It is the highest um, contract so far in terms of average dollars. Otherwise, the Carolina Panthers went out and got Teddy Bridgewater. They got him for relatively cheap. I mean, you know, you can look at it and say, well, you know, Teddy's the guy. Teddy's getting his shot. They didn't pay him. Like Jimmy Garoppolo got a massive amount of money with almost no exposure to the NFL. Why? Because they said, this guy's going to be our guy, and they paid him like our guy. In 2020, when you give a quarterback $21 million a year with only 33 guaranteed, which is basically a one-year contract, this is not a he's our guy. This is a we don't want Cam, we're getting rid of Cam, and we're going to give Teddy Bridgewater a shot by giving him basically what Nick Foles got the year prior. Actually, probably a little bit less when you adjust for the inflation from the year, uh, from a year later. Nick Foles was given a a decent enough contract to come in and be the guy, but this is not starter money. So it's something, but it's not much of anything. There's also a lot of people freaking out about Cam Newton, and I, I, I could not care any less. First of all, the idea that Cam has been a very good quarterback is wildly overstated. He has been a mediocre quarterback with above-average running ability for a very long time. His attitude is, I don't, I would never, if I was a new coach coming in, I wouldn't want to deal with him. He is the most emotional person outside of maybe Odell Beckham. Forget the fact that he's weird. That's a separate issue. And I understand the city loves him. The guy is not that good. He's been terrible. I know he was hurt last year, but he was garbage even when he was playing. It's just, there's, there's no reason to keep the guy. And, and again, the idea that he's this really good quarterback and, and the fact that Carolina is getting rid of him just because they don't like No, he's just not good, and there's no reason to pay the man. Let him go. And again, I don't, I don't think for a second that Teddy Bridgewater is the answer for Carolina. If he was, they would have paid him as such. And apparently nobody really thought he was the man because nobody offered up $30 bucks for him, which is kind of, it's been the going rate for starting quarterbacks for a long time. Again, Jimmy Garoppolo got that, what, three, four years ago? Breaking news, Cowboys added uh, Gerald McCoy to their defensive line. There you go. little breaking news, which is negated by the fact that this is a podcast, but that's fine. Other big contracts, Byron Jones is the big non-quarterback winner. That was kind of expected. Um, he was obviously the, the top cornerback option, but just the one of the top guys in general uh, from the Dallas Cowboys. Probably one of those extremely overpaid, overhyped guys. But whatever, I'm just glad the Packers didn't get him. Miami locked him up for $16.5 million a year, 82.5 in total, $54 million total guaranteed. James Bradbury, uh, Carolina quarterback, going to the Giants, got another big one. Robert Quinn to Chicago again was a big one. I'm, jeez, I said Xavier Rhodes. It's Trey Waynes. That's the one that got the contract with Cincinnati. It does. It it really doesn't make any difference. Trey Waynes is terrible. It makes a little bit more sense because I think he's a lot younger. But Trey Waynes is not a good football player. And he didn't even go to the Pro Bowl. So the whole thing about he went to the Pro Bowl, at least, he didn't go to the Pro Bowl. So there you go. Anyways, those are sort of the highlights. I can go through a massive list that would take hours and hours. But 
That is the rest of the NFC North, the big trades, as well as the big free agent contracts. The other, the, the, the other one that I didn't mention, but was kind of one of those, like, how did this possibly happen? DJ Reader, uh, the Houston Texans did not retain DJ Reader. Cincinnati picked up 26-year-old defensive tackle on a four-year, $53 million contract, $13.2 million uh, average. DJ Reader is, is, I mean, he's he's up there. I don't want to super overstate it, but I mean, he's up there with like Kenny Clark. He's young. He's only 25 years old. Um, he's, he's getting better. If you just look at his grades, 70, 79, 76, 85. I mean, the guy's just incredibly talented. More of a run defender than a pass rush guy. But I mean, it's just, it's just another example of what in the world are you guys doing? Their defense has slowly declined over the years. J.J. Watt is, I mean, he plays about four games a year before he gets hurt. Everybody else is pretty much gone. DJ Reader was the one shining hope. Fifth round pick that was really starting to pan out and you don't pay the guy. I just it's just ridiculous. But anyways, uh we'll see what happens today. Gonna be some more news. We'll see if the Packers get involved. They were pretty quiet yesterday. Otherwise you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>